You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Kremenges. I'm a fantasy analyst at PFF and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen every day. Want to tell you about On Location. It is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. Now, welcome to our final episode of the week. And usually, I'd say this is the last episode prior to the game, but that's not the case. The Rams are playing on Monday Night Football I hate waiting the extra day. It's just so much extra nerves and anxiety being built up for no extra reason. But that means we will have one more episode prior to the game, which we'll dive into on Monday, of course. But before we get there, we have a mailbag episode to cover here. Before we dive into that, though, you guys, like always, shooting over a bunch of good questions to me. Wanted to quickly highlight that the Rams do have Justin Hollins back at practice. He is practicing To some degree, he might actually be able to play in this game, which is obviously good news for that front defensive line, we'll call it. And then running back Daryl Henderson still nursing a thigh injury. Wide receiver Cooper Cup, a toe injury, but there is no concern there. Head coach Sean McVay said he will be good to play. Uh, The last thing here, the Rams did cut wide receiver J.J. Koski. If you're probably fumbling that name, well, no pun intended. He's the guy that fumbled that punt return against the Green Bay Packers. No surprise that this guy couldn't last with the Rams, but he did revert to the practice squad, which means maybe we'll see more of Brandon Powell, the guy who did spark the return last week against the Jaguars, the opening kickoff that he nearly housed. So we'll see if the Rams ultimately go with a little bit more of Powell. Now we can transition into some of these questions, and we'll begin with the first one here from my guy at Rand with a cam. He said, what have you seen on tape so far regarding how Vaughn Miller is playing? And that's a great question because... Nobody that I've seen on Twitter or, you know, the film guys, nobody anywhere has talked about Von Miller since he's joined the Rams. And it's been kind of hard, right? He hasn't had a ton of playing time. He doesn't play in the Tennessee game. Then they have, I think, the San Fran game, and he looked really good in that one. Uh, Then the bye week, and then you come back, play the Packers. It was hard to get any kind of impact in that game, as well as San Fran, just because San Fran was throwing the football so fast. They weren't having any long dropbacks and throwing passes downfield kind of thing. They were having a quick rhythm offense, trying to get that ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. The Packers do the exact same thing. So with that being said, it's hard to evaluate how a guy is pass rushing in those types of games. You just don't really get that much of an opportunity. So the pass rushing, you know, he's flashed. It's not been too consistent because they just don't get those opportunities, but Definitely see some things on tape where, and I've even posted them on Twitter, really nice spin moves and power moves and converting speed to power. But where I think he's just been absolutely outstanding for the Rams, and you can go you know, look at the numbers, look at how guys have rushed against the Rams, is run defense. And again, I've posted clips on, on my Twitter. Uh, this guy is so good in run defense. I mean, he's unreal at setting the edge. We talked about this a lot last year with Leonard Floyd, and he brings the exact same kind of power and IQ on the opposite end, which is why this run defense is so good. I mean, it's so hard to create any kind of yardage against these guys. And so in terms of how he's been playing, I would say 
maybe a seven and a half out of 10. We're going to get a better look, I think, you know, throughout these last few games when teams have to eventually drop back to pass, sort of like where the Rams had the Jaguars, right? When you're up 14, 20, 21 points, 30 points even, that's when teams have no choice. They have to start throwing the football. Then we can really see what the returns are going to be like. Hopefully, the Rams can pull that one off on Monday Night Football. It would be great to see if ultimately they could force Kyler Murray into some of those situations. Now, the next one from at Joe Ram 13, he said, what do you think the Rams will try to do to contain Kyler Murray? Speaking of, will Ernest Jones be a major part of this and not Troy Reader? And, you know, it's hard to say because uh, nobody's been able to contain this guy all season. Like at the end of the day, I can sit here and tell you that they have to maintain their rushing lanes. And that's absolute fact. Like they need to stay focused in terms of where they have to cover because the moment you get out of that lane and you break contain, that's when Kyler Murray has a gap to go through. And we know he's at his most dangerous when he's running around and extending plays and out of the pocket, sort of like Russell Wilson. You want him in the pocket. That's where he does the least damage. And that's not to say that he's not good there. That's to say that when he gets out of the pocket, it usually ends really bad for your defense. So they have to keep him in the pocket. They have to maintain their rush lanes. Like you mentioned, Ernest Jones has to be involved in this game plan. This is a guy that is way more athletic than Troy Reader. I think you have to use him and contain and spy in certain situations, maybe on third and long, where you know this is a guy that can run down a guy like Kyler Murray. Probably still going to be hard. We're talking about a quarterback that runs a 4-3 and has out-of-this-world acceleration. I'm sure there might be a snap or two where they still kind of break the Rams back because of you know a long conversion. But in general, that pass rush needs to get home. The Rams need to bring some blitzes, knock this guy off his spot. But at the same time, get him going backwards. Like you can't force him out of the pocket and just let him make a play on you. You need to wrap up. You need to get your hands on him. You need to force him to start thinking and get that internal clock working a little bit quicker. And the way to do that is apply pressure and hit that quarterback. You need to hit him whether, you know, it's a sack or whether he gets rid of the ball, but he'll remember, you know, some of those hits. So at the end of the day, the guys up front, and this is what the Rams invested a ton of trade capital money into they need to step up bottom line, point blank period. Any way you cut it, you need to do that up front. Maintain your rushing lanes and win a lot of your one-on-ones. And then talking about Ernest Jones, this next question is related as well from at Jaron Guzman. He said, do you feel that Ernest Jones will take over the bulk of the ILB inside linebacker load moving forward? And it's tough to say, you know, I still think the Rams want Troy Reader really out there on running downs. And that's to say, he's been good in those situations. Like this guy's not just a terrible football player. I think a lot of us get it sort of misconstrued. And yes, he is a net negative in coverage. There's no doubt about that. This guy doesn't have the speed to move, you know, side to side and drop in coverage and play man against tight ends or halfbacks. That's just not going to happen. But in terms of the run defense, he's been good. Like this is a guy that can knife into the backfield. He can't take on blocks. And I don't think that Ernest Jones does it as well as Troy reader does. And so with that being said, this is a guy that needs to be clean on the second level. Like the best Ernest Jones is going to play is when he doesn't have a guard going at him or a center and having to stack and shed. That's not what he does well. What he does well is when you can keep him clean and let him just kind of run and chase. That's where he's at his best. And so I don't think they're ultimately going to just sub him in that three down role, sort of like Troy Reader kind of plays right now. They have this mix and match type of situation where Reader is the guy on running downs. Ernest Jones is the guy on passing downs, and I think it works right now, and I think that's kind of the way they have to keep going ultimately because Ernest Jones, not the best run defender. Troy Reader, not a good coverage defender, so you kind of got to balance it in terms of when do you want to play this guy, when do you want to play that guy, and find the right time to have them both out there for their snaps to 
utilize the best defense that you can possibly have. Now, talking about defense, we'll flip to the other side here. Talk about some of that running game. Sony Michelle, Daryl Henderson in just a second here. You guys can always follow us on Twitter at QB's MEP at Locked On Rams and on YouTube at Locked On Rams. I mentioned it at the top. Super Bowl 56 is less than 100 days away. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once in a lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. You can select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends. There may be a legendary Los Angeles Rams player there. Can't confirm, can't deny. I'll just say that. I know a lot of you California natives might want to hear that. Rams fans, of course. Who knows who it might be? You can also get five-star LA hotels, food by the great Wolfgang Puck. I mean... We're talking about California here. you got to do it big, and On Location knows exactly how that goes. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl On Location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl On Location. And this holiday season, you guys have heard me talk about it. Built Bar, the number one protein bar on the market right now. They have so many different flavors. And, I mean, Christmas is right around the corner. If you want... To have a nice tasty treat that tastes exactly like a candy bar, but you don't have the same guilt. And trust me, I went through it myself. Do not do it. You will feel terrible about yourself. Go get a built bar. You taste exactly like a candy bar, except it's low in calories, low in fat, low in net carbs, low in sugar, and it's high in protein. So not only does it taste great, but it's also healthy for you. And I mean, is there a better combination than that? So many different flavors. As I mentioned, they have a ton, multiple, double digits. It's really hard to actually narrow it down. Raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie, coconut guy myself here. Everyone knows that by now if you've heard this podcast. Bill Park gives you that extra fuel you need to recharge throughout the day. Go do that Christmas shopping. Hey, I know you guys are probably like me waiting for the 24th to go do that shopping. Go take a built bar with you. Throw it in your purse, throw it in your car, in your glove compartment, whatever the case is. Keep it there when you need it. Like some of those protein bars, they're great, but sometimes maybe you don't want a protein bar. They have marshmallowy treats as well. They're called built puffs, very different flavor, very different texture profile, really delicious as well. Closer to the candy bars, in my opinion, than the protein bar. And uh, super, super tasty and really, really good. The lemon dip cheesecake, you guys need to try that. If you want to, go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. And thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here at Locked on Rams. We'll pick up right with where we left off at these questions. And the next one is a good question. I had to think about this one for a little bit. It's from at Juan Felagos. He said, how many points do we need to score to guarantee a W this Monday. What is the plan to keep Murray in the pocket without risking big runs from him in the middle of the field? Is it worth having an LB spy the majority of the game on Murray, or is that sort of an outdated concept? And you hit on some of the things I just answered, which is kind of, you know, like a telekinesis thing there. I think they will have some spy kind of concepts out there on certain down and distances, play a little bit of contain your ends need to rush up field can't really get too antsy and have a lot of those inside moves where you go inside the tackle, you cross the face of the tackle, because then you're inviting Murray to escape the pocket and get out there, right? Your ends need to rush upfield and hold a lot of that contain and force him to step up in that pocket where you will have Aaron Donald waiting. So that's sort of how that strategy is going to go. Now, in terms of how many points do they need to score? 
I mean, the Cardinals are a really good offense and they're hard to stop. I'm not sure that the Rams can hold them to, you know, 17 points or 20 points even. Maybe they can. They've been playing really, really well. But I think the Rams, to guarantee themselves a victory, if you can hit that 30-point threshold, I think you feel good about coming away with the W here. Maybe that's a little high. Maybe 27 might do it. Maybe, you know, 25 might do it. But I think 30 is that one spot where, if you tell me the Rams are going to score 30 points in this game before they go play, I would feel pretty good that they're going to come out of it with a victory. Just knowing how good they've been playing on defense and kind of the schematic changes that Raheem Morris has done, I think that would make a lot of sense. So I'm going to go with 30. Maybe it's a little bit less, but I don't know, man. That offense is really, really explosive. And if you want to feel good about your chances in this game, you're probably going to have to score a lot of points. The next one is from at Will Carella, my guy. He said, if you were put on the Rams staff, what is the first change you would make? Personnel, scheme, whatever it may be. That's a really good question. I'm not sure that I would change much in terms of the schematics. I think Raheem Morris is doing a much better job there uh, offensively. Everything that we've talked about on this podcast for three, four weeks even, they did last week. A lot more 12 personnel, a lot more 13 personnel, a lot more under center, six plus linemen, changing you know, from Daryl Henderson to Sony Michelle. They did a lot of things on offense to change how they're going to go about it, right? And it was a productive game. So not sure I would change much there. I guess that kind of leaves me with personnel. And uh, the one thing that I would certainly do is get Terrell Burgess out on that field. I think this is a guy that can give you something on defense there, even if just versatility. Like, you know, the Rams have Taylor Rapp kicking into the box a lot now. And that's kind of where we all feel comfortable with his skill set. Clearly, the Rams are sort of making that transition as well. But he doesn't cover as well as Burgess still. Like, this is still comes up at times where, you know, you'll see him lose a rep to LaVisca Chenault at the end of the game. Doesn't matter. The Rams are winning by 30. But you still see that kind of exposure there every now and again where he gets exposed by a guy that he just can't cover. And that's not his fault. He's never going to be able to cover, you know, a true wide receiver or a George Kittle coming out of the slot. It's never going to happen. So it's just kind of the situation at hand. He just kind of has to do it. And when you're winning by 20 or 17 or 30, as they were last game, then it really doesn't matter if you get beat. But at some point, you know, it will be uh third and 11 and the Rams will be, you know, winning by one point and they'll need to make a stop. And he might be in that situation there where he kind of gets caught because that's just not his ideal role. So for me, it's Terrell Burgess. I mean, Nick Scott is out there right now. Instead, you have Taylor Rapp out there pretty much playing like 95% of the snaps. Burgess is a guy that brings a lot to the table, in my opinion. I watched him in college. I watched and broke down his tape every single game he had coming out of Utah. And I've watched him even last year in his rookie season. Very, very small sample size. But this is a guy that's impressed me. I genuinely think he could bring something to this defense. And I don't think they make you know any crazy wholesale changes. I don't think they really need to right now. So with that being said, I would go Terrell Burgess. And if you want me to kind of spice it up, do something different, I'll say go sign Delaney Walker, a tight end too, a guy that's a veteran, can put his hand in the dirt, can pile drive defenders out of the way. That would make you feel so much better and more comfortable going with 12 personnel instead of a guy like Kendall Blanton or Bryson Hopkins, who maybe you just don't trust that much as a staff right now. And if that's the case, then we kind of understand why you don't want to go 12 personnel more often. So to go out of house, I'll say sign Delaney Walker and uh, that'll do it. The next one and the final one here. It's from at movie 1011. He said, do we see us re-signing OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr.? Uh, do you see us trying to recoup some picks to build more depth? Hendo gone. Do we keep Sony Michelle? 
I mean, those are all good questions. Now, it's hard to say right now. They're still so early in the season. I mean, we're not even in the offseason yet, so a lot of things change, and they change very quickly. In terms of Henderson gone, I don't think he'll be gone. It makes no sense to. He's still on a rookie deal. I think this is his third season, so next year would be his fourth, the final year of his rookie deal. No reason to let him go. I think he's been a solid player really throughout his career, and he's cheap, so it doesn't make sense to get rid of him. In terms of Sony Michel, I think he'll probably be gone next year. Uh, you know, this guy was brought in after K-Makers suffered his injury, and then they lose, you know, Jake Funk and all these guys. So it's kind of a tough situation at running back this season. But in general, if they don't lose Raymond Calais and K-Makers and Jake Funk and all these guys, do they really need a guy like Sonny Michel? I don't think so. I mean, I think you feel good about your running back room next year. So I don't think they'll keep Michelle either. Now, the big question mark there, Odell Beckham. Do the Rams bring this guy back or is he a seven, eight, 10 game rental? We'll call it. That is the question that I think a lot of fans want to have the answer to. I think it'd be sweet if they could get him back just because then he and Matthew Stafford would get a whole off season to kind of work together and, and get the chemistry down and all these kind of things. But I just don't know that they can afford that kind of a luxury. I mean, you're talking about a lot of good players that they have coming up on the end of their deals here. Andrew Whitworth, Darius Williams, Sebastian Joseph Day. I think Austin Corbett as well. Can they really afford to bring back a fourth receiver instead of some of those starters? I don't think so. So in general, I think Odell is going to be a one and done kind of situation for the Rams. It's unfortunate to say, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a positive for both sides. The Rams lose Robert Woods, so they need someone to step up. Odell comes into a great office with a chance to win a Super Bowl and rehab his value. You know, he's going to want to get paid in March and it ultimately works out for everyone. So I'll say one and done type of situation for him. But that doesn't mean that he's going to be one and done for sure. We'll see later this offseason. Make sure to keep tuning back in here at the Locked on Rams podcast going into next week on Monday when we break down our final tidbits heading into this week 14 pivotal matchup between the Rams and the Cards on Monday night football. I want to tell you about a clothing company called Stance. They've sent me some really cool stuff. I tried some of their clothing on. they got socks, shirts, hoodies, all the good stuff, really. And super comfortable, great texture. Uh, I really like their apparel. This is not Stance, by the way. I'm just kind of a weird individual who wears weird stuff, clearly. But I really, really love their apparel. Super breathable type of fabric. Can't really complain about it. Honestly, I've even had friends ask me about it and uh, ask where I got it. I told them Stance. I've been wearing a bunch of their stuff. It's holiday time. It's time to gift some people some things. Can never go wrong with clothing. Stance is one of the best gifts, I'm telling you, that you can give to somebody. Super comfy, stylish, and they got a bunch of different stuff, as I mentioned. Socks, shirts, hoodies, joggers, pretty much anything anyone would like to wear right around this time of year. It's kind of chilly out, especially where I'm from in Canada, as I mentioned. And they got some cool designs. I mean, if you're a hip-hop head like myself, Wu-Tang Clan, they got different stuff like the NBA. Bob Marley, for those that do enjoy a little bit of something something we'll say even kind of nerdier stuff we'll call it harry potter all that kind of stuff so i personally like my hoodie the best i think you guys would love it as well you should absolutely go check it out super comfy stylish great texture i like to lift in it sometimes they call it a pump cover before you start to get that kind of blood flowing in your muscles then you can take that pump cover off the stance pump cover and look you know a little bit more juicy for everyone in that gym there that's what they say. That's what the kids are saying these days. Uh, kind of new to me as well. But Stance, one of the best products. And they think that fit matters more than fitting in, which, by the way, I agree with. Those who feel good, do good. As a great primetime neon Deion Sanders once said, dress good, feel good, feel good, play good. 
play good, pay good, something like that, along those lines. He had the idea about 20-something years ago. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. Use promo code Locked On at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a less ordinary life with Stance. Now, thank you guys so much for always making us your first daily listen here. As your second daily listen, go check out Locked On Bets. They're going to help you out with your betting game. Get you right. Make sure to give you some of those extra dollars in your pocket this holiday season. They're your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. And that takes us into the final segment here. The next one from at Bernie underscore 61. He said, why does it feel like when the Rams trail, there's no fight to make a comeback? And two, God willing, we beat the Cards. Assuming we beat the Cardinals this Monday, do you think the Rams will use this momentum to finish the season with a bang? Now, on the first topic there, I don't know. I've mentioned it so many times on this podcast. They can never lose, you know, on a last-second field goal. And part of me actually prefers that they don't because that would be a soul crusher. But at the same time, I hate watching just getting blown out, you know, where you have three turnovers and you just implode. The one game that always comes back to my mind where you mentioned a comeback that Buffalo Bills game last year, early in the season, I want to say it was like week three, week four, something like that, where they're getting smashed at halftime and they make a huge comeback and they probably should have won that game. Fourth and I think it was maybe seven, something like that in the red zone. Darius Williams get called for a phantom PI call, kind of whack. The Rams lose the game, but that was the one where they came back from. So they can't do it. I would just love to see it more often if they are down. And uh, talking about the Cardinals game, like you mentioned, this is really where it starts. If the Rams can win this game, I feel a lot better going into the next four or five remaining games, right? Because then you have a chance to actually fight for the title, the NFC West, right? You have a chance to actually be the first seed. If you don't, if you lose this game, there's pretty much nothing left on the table for you to try and go get. Like you're the fifth seed right now, and that's the best you can finish at if you lose this game because you can't win the division. And if you can't win the division, you can't seed from one through four. So there would really be nothing left for this team to do other than to just not implode and drop to the sixth or seventh seed. So that sucks. I don't want to think about that. You got to win this game. If you can win this game, I feel good about it, right? They have winnable games against San Fran, Seattle, Minnesota, and then you're going to have really tough games against Baltimore. And of course, this one against Arizona too. Tough schedule. We're going to find out a lot about this team over the next month and a half. But I think if they can win this game, I would feel a lot better about those remaining games. The next one from at Brian Ted's, he said, who would you start in fantasy, Sony or Daryl? This one's easy for me. I've written about it all week at PFF. I even go back to last week, Sony Michelle. There's no way I'm starting Daryl Henderson this week. I think the Rams are transitioning to Sony Michelle as the RB1. I do. I would suggest you start Sony Michelle. We'll see if there's kind of a 50-50 type of role situation going on here, but I feel comfortable saying that Sony Michelle will be more productive in this game. Now, the next one from my guy at JJ from underscore NJ, he said, do you think that Gaines, Greg Gaines, playing so well, likely signals Sebastian Joseph Day walking in free agency? And you can have any former Rams player or coach on as a guest host. Who are you picking and why is it not Aqib Talib? And then the final one as well. Got to answer this one. This one's great. He said, assuming the Rams are a wildcard team, which current division leader would you prefer that they play in round one? So to begin, I think Greg Gaines, like I mentioned on Twitter, even on this podcast, He's been playing so, so good. I mean, he's developed so quickly. And of course, Sebastian Joseph Day has, I think it was a torn pec, which knocked him out, obviously, for most likely the remainder of this season. And if not the whole season, at least a lot of it, Greg Gaines stepped up tremendously. This guy's winning his pass rushing reps. 
absolutely immovable in the running game. He's eating up double teams and him playing well probably does signal the end of Sebastian Joseph day. Like it's going to be hard for the Rams to be able to pay these guys. So I would say I'm leaning more towards SJD walking in free agency. But again, there's a lot of ways to create money and we'll see how it happens as you get closer to the off season in terms of who I would love on the pod. It is a keep to leave. I mean, a keep to leave would be legendary. The guy is so entertaining. He was on the Manning cast uh, on Monday where they have Peyton and Eli kind of breaking down the Monday night football games. And I love him. He's the best. I actually reached out to him. He didn't get back to me. Unfortunately, a guy like Marcus Peters would be legendary too. There's a lot more I'm sure that I would love to have on the podcast. You know, guys that I grew up idolizing, Steven Jackson, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce. Uh, but Akib, I think, would just be an absolute home run. The guy is super entertaining. And then the final question, the really, really good one, the best one here. He said, you know, the, with the wild card situation here, who would I want the Rams to play? I think I would probably go with who they're slated to play right now. And that's the Dallas Cowboys. I think they match up well with the Cowboys. Uh, the Cowboys kind of going under some issues themselves here offensively not really looking right the last three or four games uh and that's probably the one i feel most comfortable with i wouldn't want to see the rams have to go play you know the bucks definitely not definitely not the packers either and then there's the cards i guess the cards would be decent but they're probably going to be the first seed if not the second seed so don't want the rams kind of dropping down in those standings either so i'm going to go with the cowboys i think that's the best matchup right now Unfortunately, it's not an easy one, but that's what happens when you're the fifth seed. You're going to go on the road and play someone good. And ultimately, that's the one I think they would probably have the best chance to win. Now, moving on to the second last one here from at Disinformed Dan. He said, what do you think has been the difference for the Rams D this season between the games they've looked dominant and the ones where they can't stop a nosebleed? And it's hard to say. You know, it really is. I think a lot of it is just in those games where we kind of are so frustrated with the defense. The first thing is the offense is making it hard, right? A lot of those games where, you know, they're losing is just because the offense is so bad to the point where they're not just not scoring. They're spotting these other teams a lot of points. I mean, you're talking two pick sixes basically against the Tennessee Titans, 17 points to the Green Bay Packers, which was half the offense and half of, you know, special teams. We talked about J.J. Koski fumbling that punt. And then the same thing with San Fran, another pick six and short field. So, when they can not implode, no pick sixes, no fumbles on dropbacks or, you know, strip sacks, we'll call it, where they're recovered inside the 10-yard line, no fumbles on the punt return team. It feels like the defense plays way better. Like, I think they're playing really good football right now. I really do. And in terms of the games where the Rams win and play well versus the ones where they don't, first and foremost, they just need to get off the field. That's the first thing, right? Third and seven, third and nine, third and 11. You're getting these teams in these situations. You just need to get off the field. Second thing is clean up the tackling. Make sure when you make contact with someone, you're bringing them down. You don't want them gaining another five, seven yards after contact. And the last thing is don't get beat over the top. Force everything underneath. Make them gain little by little 13 to 15 play drives. If they can do that, great. I'll lose a game that way. It's frustrating. It certainly is. But I'd rather lose a game like that then get beat over the top for 30, 40, 50 yard touchdowns consecutively. Like you see some of these defenses in the NFL. It's not how the Rams want to do schematically. So in terms of the biggest difference, I would just say the offense, not killing them. If they can go about it like that, play a relatively clean game. You don't even have to score 40 points. You can score 20, but don't give the other team 10 or 14 or 17 points based off of your blunders. That is not helping your defense one bit. Now moving into the last one here from at JB underscore peoples. My guy, always shooting over the jokes. He said, 
Are you going to Sony Michelle's or Darius Williams house for Christmas this year? Uh, joking aside, how do you think McVay has grown or improved as a coach this year? I feel like we forget how young he is to be a head coach in this league and how much he still has to learn and improve. And that's a really good point. We're still talking about a 35 year old coach. Like this guy is still super young. It's funny because Andrew Whitworth just turned 40 years old. He's five years older than his head coach. That should put into perspective just how young this guy is. So great point by JB to discuss. This guy's still got places to grow and learn and improve. Like he's not a finished product at all, which is great news for the Rams. In terms of where I think he's grown and improved this year, uh, I mean, one thing is the timeout usage, right? We've saw so much bad timeout wasting in the past few years. And I think part of that is just a switch at quarterback. You don't have to waste timeouts and help diagnose Jared Goff, what kind of defense he's going against or making an audible or a check at the line. Stafford's a little bit quicker with it. He's a veteran, of course. He knows how to do it better. He knows how to read defenses better. So I think that's part of it. It's a very minor thing. Nobody really cares about timeouts like that. But that was one of the things that he kind of always got knocked for. Now, the second thing here, I think he's just done a good job at admitting defeat or admitting mistakes, right? You're seeing some changes in the personnel, some changes in how they're going about offense, some changes on the defensive side of the ball, which I'm sure at the end of the day, he still has, you know, full control over. He's not going to tell Raheem Morris how to do his job, but I think, you know, when they have these meetings, they'll probably bring up certain things like, well, Raheem, you know, this is not working or this is not ideal. Let's kind of change it. And I think it's kind of a collaborative effort there, not just with coach McVay and Raheem, but everyone. So I think they've just done a really good job at, admitting sometimes things are not always smooth and they're not always great. And it took a little while, like it always does, which is frustrating. But in general, they got to this point and there's still a lot of season left. There's still all the time in the world to accomplish their goals. And right now they're becoming more multiple offensively, defensively. It's making them harder to defend, harder to beat. And I think that's going to be a good thing for this team at the end of the day. Now, thank you guys so much for always making Mailbag Friday a fun episode for me. You guys shot over a bunch of good questions. That's going to do it for this mailbag. Make sure to tune back in here at Locked on Rams as your first daily listen next week. Our final episode pregame Monday morning. It'll drop. We're going to touch on where the Rams could find some holes against this Cardinals team, how they can go about trying to beat this team in what is the most important game left on their schedule. Thank you guys so much. You guys can always follow us on Twitter at QB's MVP at Lockdown Rams and on YouTube at Lockdown Rams. And please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.